somewhere in the mid 50s, I believe, is the average age of a financial advisor. Um, and there are a lot of advisors um, making succession plan oriented deals. Um, and you do see higher valuations of, of RIAs. I think you're seeing uh, new investors coming into this space. Welcome to AFO Wealth Management Forward, a podcast about finance, accounting, technology, and entrepreneurship. We apply our decades worth of experience and insight into what makes businesses work so we can help others grow both personally and professionally. In this ever-evolving marketplace, we help accounting firms and financial advisors grow their practice through the adoption of holistic wealth management services. Learn from industry leaders and subject matter experts to unlock the secrets of their success. A podcast that shows people and companies the transformative power of technology so they don't fear it, but instead harness it. Don't fight the robots, team up with them. And here are your hosts, Rory Henry, Director of Business Development and CEO Rob Santos of Arrowroot Family Office. Hi, everyone. Today, we'll be talking with the senior editor for the website, Financial Planning. Uh, Financial Planning provides analysis and breaking news, expert advice and opinion, and practical business building content. It is part of a larger platform, a reason which owns a number of publications like The American Banker, The Bond Buyer, and Accounting Today. They are deeply engaged through interactions on social media, and they reach over 460,000 experienced professionals, including independent financial planners, RIAs and independent broker dealers across print, digital, social media, and live event platforms. With all, that being, with all that being said, we would like to introduce to you our guest today, Tobias Salinger. Tobias, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Rob. Yeah, Tobias, huge fan, publication, you, your name. We talked about this earlier. My son's name is Tobias. So, you know, you're already endeared. Uh, very much to us. But, you know, just to start off, could you maybe just, um, you know, let our listeners uh, hear a little bit about your background and, and, and you know, the work that you do at financialplanning.com and, and elsewhere? Sure. Um, I have been with financial planning for a little over uh, four years now. Um, and my primary coverage areas are independent broker dealers, RIAs, compliance, that's always an important topic in the financial services, um, regulations, of course, uh, as well, um, and other areas uh, within the retirement uh, arena. Um, we have a lot of coverage focusing on annuities, tax policy, um, and anything to help advisors uh, in their practices. They uh, navigate this, uh, this complex industry. Um, a little bit about me. Um, I got my journalism degree from City University of New York in 2013, and I've been in journalism ever since then. I came to FP from the New York Daily News. Um, so it was a very big change, uh, a very welcome change uh, to get into this uh, extremely important industry and really sink my teeth into a into a, a great beat uh, for for a journalist to to cover. So it's been a it's been a great experience joining uh, joining financial planning. Um, just in terms of our company, uh, you mentioned Horizon owns about a dozen financial services brands. Our biggest um, and most famous ones are the Bond Buyer and American Banker. 
but we also have uh, Accounting Today and National Mortgage News as our other flagship publications. Great, and you know what? You went from uh, you know covering worldwide breaking news uh, um, to now a senior editor at, at Financial Planning. You know what? Uh, what went into that decision to to come over to the space? Well, I think it's kind of similar to a lot of financial professionals. Um, in journalism, uh, we have a saying that nobody wants to be a general assignment reporter. Um, <laughs> you want to have a beat that you can dive into and report on in a substantive way. Um, with so much uh, content out there these days, um, it gets more and more difficult in a, in a field that's really struggling uh, from a business perspective to be able as a reporter to dive into um, an important topic like the financial services. And I was lucky enough to have a grad school friend uh, on the team who got me in for, for an interview. Um, and it's turned out to, to be a great fit. Um, at my prior job, the, the hours were a little bit different. We, I was on the overnight shift um, covering any viral story that popped up um, any hour of the day. Um, and uh, that gets old after a while. So I was uh, jumping at the opportunity to dive into wealth management. Um, and it's not only been a, a great learning experience for me as a journalist, but just as, as a person as, as well. And Obviously, I you know point people to the true professionals of the industry when they ask me a question. But just getting acquainted uh, with everything under the sun um, in the financial services uh, has been extremely beneficial. Wonderful, and you know, it, you you're writing and you're covering a lot of the RIA space. There's been a tremendous amount of growth, obviously, in the space as as well as consolidation. You know, what do you think are some of the main drivers behind that growth and consolidation out there in the marketplace? Well, I, I think there are a lot of factors um, driving that. Uh, number one that I hear the most uh, from people out there in the marketplace is the demographics trends. Um, we have a, a, somewhere in the mid 50s, I believe, is the average age of a financial advisor. Um, and there are a lot of advisors um, making succession plan oriented deals. Um, and you do see higher valuations of, of RIAs. I think you're seeing uh, new investors coming into this space on a daily basis um, and then doubling down on their investment. Um, and I think that uh, with after the, the decade long bull market um, being what it was. Uh, I guess we have to talk about it in the past tense now. Um, but uh, I, I think we have a lot of uh, acquirers who, who are driving these deals and, um, and advisors are finding them attractive. Um, at the same time, I brought up the, uh, you know, the, the compliance uh, issue. I, I know that it's a, an extremely big burden for a lot of small business owners, and they are looking for bigger partners. Uh, they tell me often um, when they make these deals just to support them, uh, act as the back office, act as a, as a compliance team uh, on their behalf. Um, 
in addition to other services that are offered by you know, large RIA platforms, aggregators, and even some broker dealers uh, who often refer to themselves uh, as, as RIAs instead these days. So, <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense. And speaking of kind of demographic trends here, Tobias, you know, we, we always talk about the great wealth transfer. And I know you've covered uh, annuities and social security. We just did a podcast with the, the CEO of DPL Financial Partners, who has a platform that consists of commission-free uh, insurance and annuity products. Can you kind of talk about annuities being used as a vehicle for retirement, especially in, in light of uh, interest rates um, and, and where they've been in it with historic lows? Yes, well, uh, you, we really saw the impact of that last year um, with declines across the product shelf. Um, those lower interest rates uh, moved investors and, and advisors um, away from uh, fixed index annuities, which had been um, at record levels uh, before the coronavirus and its impact on the economy and, and the lower interest rates, um, you know, set by the Fed last March. Um, and now we are seeing one continuing trend uh, around uh, variable annuity type, uh, registered index linked annuities, also known as structured uh, settlements or uh, and, and uh, buffered products, uh, they have lots of great names, but uh, <laughs> I know that, um, that from, uh, from what I've, everything that I've heard from, uh, from folks like the Limra Secure Retirement Institute uh, is that investors are uh, after, you know, market appreciation, uh, but they do wanna, you know, limit the potential downside and it's just becoming, more and more attractive to them. And you see more and more issuers uh, coming into uh, that part of the, the annuities marketplace. Um, in the last quarter, uh, we saw another pronounced, uh, pronounced gain um, in registered index linked annuity sales. Um, so it's just becoming more and more attractive. But in, you, know, you brought up social security, uh, there's even an annuity product uh, that is tied to uh, the financing of the social security program and giving uh, clients the potential to depend on uh, their own annuity payment uh, should the government uh, not continue to uh, provide that to, to, uh, to Americans. Um, but it is a manageable problem, and I, I think there could be some agreement. They have about a decade to work with, uh, but it is interesting to think about a, a, a Social Security-linked annuity product. <laughs> Wonderful. And, and Tobias, you know, kind of shifting gears here, you know, we're obviously in the, in the midst of a, really a digital re revolution, um, and, and software and technology are having a much bigger impact you know, not just for the consumer, but also for the enterprise. You know, we're seeing a lot of uh, investment banks. We're seeing a lot of providers lay off people to focus more on these efforts. We're seeing a lot more automation, introduction of, of a term called artificial intelligence, which is yet to be kind of completely defined. You know, how do you see technology kind of shaping the landscape and, and the future of, of this industry? Well, it's really shifted over the the past several years. Um, when I started on the beat, uh, there was a lot of tension around the idea of 
the robo advisors trying to replace the financial advisors and various forms of automation, uh, you know, threatening to commoditize uh, advisors and other financial professionals. I think in the past couple of years, you are seeing more deals that really try to, uh, you know, take the most, uh, the, the most important parts of each side of that equation and, and have them work together. Uh, you see a lot of wealth management firms uh, who are offering forms of automated or, or virtual services to advisors. You see robo-advisors uh, working with advisors in, in certain capacities. And so I think the landscape has really shifted uh, away from that whole conversation of robo-advisor versus human advisor to now how can we work together or as an advisor who, who is a small business owner uh, starts to think about serving a larger number of clients and a wider base of clients, mm -hmm. obviously as one person, you're limited in the number of clients that you can really give your full attention to um, on a personal basis. But maybe there are ways uh, that you can you know, set up an automated solution for smaller account clients in order to, to bring people uh, into the investing world, which is so important. The more Americans that get into investing, the more opportunity they have uh, for their own financial future and, and that of their family. Yeah, we are a motto here for us, uh, Tobias, is don't fight the robots, team up with them. <laughs> and, you know, not everybody has a financial planner, but everybody has to file taxes uh, here. So, you know, that accountant is a center of influence. Now, speaking of technology, it's a segue kind of into uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain, you know, from Goldman Sachs to Wells Fargo, you know, many institutions are starting to incorporate, you know, cryptocurrency into their business operations. You know, how do you see uh, the trends in blockchain and cryptocurrency uh, defining the future of financial services? Well, it's an open question because <laughs> I think, uh, not to not answer your question, but to try, uh, advisors are still not uh, adopting it. I say still, but I, I don't mean to be dismissive or um, act like I'm in my 20s or something. Uh, <laughs> but what I mean is that um, advisors have shown hesitancy uh, uh, my colleague Jessica Matthews covered a recent survey just asking advisors why they haven't adopted it yet. And not surprisingly, uh, the largest uh, share of them said it was because of, of regulatory fears. Um, I think there are, uh, there's more momentum uh, for, uh, for the SEC to, to act in this area, for, for Congress to potentially act. I think advisors uh, might be sitting back and waiting for that before they kind of wade into into this world uh, that that is a bit that's still new. I mean, mm -hmm. um, and and so I definitely understand that. Um, in addition, we see all kinds of headlines about the volatility um, of of uh, some of these crypto assets. Uh, we've seen what happens uh, with Bitcoin over the past couple of weeks. Um, at the start of the year, the whole GameStop uh, phenomenon happened, even though that wasn't a crypto asset, 
I, I think that everyone saw some some parallels there. So I think there's still hesitancy among advisors, and and it's an open uh, it's an open landscape out there. You see some more firms that are that are uh, that are starting up to to kind of help advisors with that. Today was the launch of OnRamp Invest, um, specifically you know targeting uh, advisors uh, for. Uh, all kinds of crypto services. And you're right, the incumbents are coming in. Uh, it, it took them a while. Just a couple of years ago, it was being compared to the tulip craze of the yeah. 18th century. I think that was. Uh, but, you know, it, so it, it is a changing landscape. And I, I think the, the firms that, that get there first um, are going to have to deal with some regulatory questions. Um, but once those are resolved, I, I think you're going to see more and more advisors and uh, and wealth managers really adopt it. At the moment, uh, you know, maybe they don't have to. Maybe most of their clients are, uh, you know, in retirement or near retirement, and maybe aren't interested in them just yet themselves. But uh, just the demographic trends taking over, as we discussed, I think you're going to see a, a much different landscape in the next few years. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you touched on it just there about compliance. So it might be a good, a good time to kind of talk about it is, you know, with the, obviously there's a lot of things that are going on for compliance and, and smaller RAAs, larger RAAs, um, you know, rolling out the best interests, um, you know, incorporating a fiduciary standard much more as opposed to the hybrid model, uh, you know, going forward. You know, could you maybe speak to some of the compliance, um, you know, the challenges and also some of the things that are kind of, you know, top of mind for folks um, out there that you're talking to? Well, definitely Reg BI is a big one uh, with the change in administrations uh, right now. The question on a lot of advisors' uh, minds and on a lot of uh, professional organizations and trade groups' minds is what will the new administration do when it comes to Reg BI? Are they going to try to come out with a new rule? I'm, signs are saying probably not, uh, given that uh, the Obama administration's rulemaking process took like six years. And um, we did see some difficulty uh, in the Trump administration, which had a vastly different idea about it, but still kind of struggled to, uh, to, you know, put those ideas into action. I think everyone is waiting for some guidance now that uh, Gary Gensler is on the job at the SEC, um, just to observe um, how the how the examiners and how the enforcement teams are going to be uh, looking at at everything relating to Reg BI. Um, so you do see advisors really uh, depending on a, a larger partner in that area. You see more fintech firms coming up with uh, documentation solutions. Documentation is such a huge part of it. There are uh, much more disclosure requirements. Some consumer advocates have criticized that it's too much disclosure of conflicts of interest and not enough actual mitigation of those conflicts of interest, we might see that pendulum swing back the other way. So I think that is an area of uncertainty. Um, speaking of the new administration, we've had a lot of talk recently about capital gains tax rates 
and other uh, potential um, higher taxes on higher income folks and uh, you know the estate tax that could that could be another area. Um, there there is a lot of speculation out there right now. So um, advisors are are feeling a, a little bit burdened by that. They're hearing from clients uh, who are not uh, exactly interested in those higher taxes at, at this time. I'm not sure if there is a time when they are, uh, but but you all would would know more about that than than me. But um, I, I think that. Just like many many times, there's there's um, uncertainty hanging over things to go along with just your your typical um, enforcement and, and compliance issues uh, that are that are more more bread and butter when it when it comes to uh, regulatory cases and um, and everything that uh, that advisors have to do on a, on a regular basis, like registering in a new state. Uh, I know that's a huge headache for smaller practices. They're just one advisor, and then they're trying to navigate red tape, uh, you know, between one state or another. So it, it can be something that sounds pretty simple uh, in uh, in in talking about it, but in practice, just becomes a lot more. Uh, confusing and complex, uh, where independent advisors really want to talk with clients and and run their business and um, and get the best out of their teams, uh, but they don't really want to be, you know, the chief compliance officer and dealing with operations and and that's where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, and we're really seeing this in the marketplace. You know, on top of the the compliance and regulatory issues, you know, margins are compressing for financial advisors. You know, and speaking of estate planning and taxes and investments, you know, our program AFO Wealth Management Forward is teaching accounting firms how to implement holistic wealth management services into their firm. Can you maybe talk about you know how accountants can maybe are best positioned to start offering uh, these holistic services to their clients? Well, sure. I I, I read um, every day and and looking at um, RIA form or RIA uh, disclosures, uh, they often bring up referrals from accounting firms. Um, and I know that advisors um, have worked side by side with with accountants, and so it's only logical for uh, for many accountants to just say, "Hey, why don't we do this from our own firm?" Um, ourselves. I, I know that that can also be, uh, you know, that can also see, seem uh, like a, a, a very heavy lift uh, to, you know, take on a new business line. Um, but as you brought up, you, we are seeing more service providers trying to, uh, you know, crack that code for, for uh, these large accounting practices. Uh, there are only just a few, uh, you know, firms that are that are working at the intersection of wealth management and accounting in that way. Uh, there's the former HD Vest. Um, they're an independent broker dealer now known as Avantax, uh, and they've had a proxy fight recently. And and there might be questions about they they might change hands. We've seen some turnover there, but I know that it's a it's a fertile area just from. Looking at the referral agreements um, with with advisors, they they value uh, estate planning lawyers and they value accountants um, for referring clients to them. Uh, so 
just in looking at that, I think more and more accounting firms are going to be interested in potentially breaking into the new area if it seems feasible to them. Uh, if it seems like it's just a you know whole new technology platform to learn and a, a brand new regulatory regime to think about and all kinds of other uh, compliance issues, then I think they're, they, they might not be so interested. But uh, I think it's a, it's a promising landscape to be sure. Absolutely, you know, and, and um, you know, what we always try to tell all of our accounting partners and, and those that are part of the courses, you know, walk before you start to run. So we get a lot of folks that come in and go, this sounds great, we're gonna start an RAA. And we try to tell them, okay, you know, that may be the, the, the best course of action ultimately at the end of the day, but start to learn what some of these things are. If there's a partnership that you maybe already have, you can start to utilize that in a way um, and get you know get started before you go full boat. So um, you know that all that all totally makes sense. Um, you know, on on the same side on accounting, you know, I think and Rory was touching on this. You know, technology has really been something that's that's changed the landscape. There, you're seeing a lot of low cost providers. Uh, a lot of technology providers focusing on compliance work, filing a tax return. I always joke about the commercial on TV, free, 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 free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so, um, but equally, we're also seeing a lot of these technologies start to talk more to each other. Um, you know, some of the, our service providers and technology partners that we have in our program you know, Betterment and Vanilla, you know, taking um, kind of a tech-friendly, advisor-friendly uh, technology and service offering and pairing that together with Vanilla or pairing it together with Right Capital. And although we've seen some of that on the accounting side, uh, I think QuickBooks has something that will tie into to some of these providers and things like that. Do you see a lot of these service providings, kind of, you know, starting to, to get more interconnected and, and, you know, is that going to be more of a burden or challenge than a benefit or, or you know, what do you think about that? Yes, I, I you know, I, I, I definitely think that uh, the, the services are becoming more interconnected. Uh, I see more and more wealth managers uh, talk about that intersection of accounting and, and wealth management. Um, they're being pretty savvy about, uh, about trying to tap into it. Um, I've spoken with a, a lot of advisors who started out as tax professionals and, and added, um, added wealth management to, to their services. So um, I, I, I think it's, a, it's an equation that a lot of people have been trying to crack for a while. Um, if you go back to the 80s, um, I don't know why I keep bringing up HD Vest. They're, <laughs> they're a sneakily interesting company. Um, just because Herb Vest was kind of a pioneer back in the 80s, he had to go through a lot of regulatory fights just to be able um, as a CPA to also uh, become a CFP and provide financial, uh, provide wealth management services. Um, and so I, I think there you, you see the attraction. I think sometimes uh, over the past several decades, the technology hasn't really been there. Um, you see some firms that have tried to um, tap into it and maybe it just uh, hasn't, you know, found that 
the synergies uh, that that they needed uh, to to really do it. But you know, I, I think it's it's definitely a promising area, and a lot of advisors uh, would see value in um, in some automated solutions like pre-populating uh, certain forms that you need to to fill out. I, I do think um, just in observing the whole robo advisor versus financial advisor trend that. Uh, people do rely on a human in some area of that equation. They would, if they have complex questions, if they have uh, technology questions, the dreaded IT support line. But they, but people do want a, a, a human somewhere in there turning those dials and making sure the technology. Uh, works together in an intelligent way because I think that's where it might have been lacking in in the past, um, where it could be much different to today with all the the technology that you have now. Yeah, and what is your advice for for you know these financial advisors, these accounting firms, Tobias, when it comes to technology? You know, it's very frightening for them to to adopt new technology. You know, we got we got a lot of uh, firms that come to us and just and because they're used to these maybe these legacy platforms that are difficult to understand. You know, what what's some advice that you can provide to to those out there about the adoption of technology? Well, I have been shocked sometimes to see some of the the legacy platforms um, <laughs> because. As I said, I came into this industry new and I just assumed that all of the technology was top notch. I don't know why I assumed that. It's never safe to assume anything. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I noticed that uh, a lot of that legacy technology, while familiar, uh, is just out of date. And uh, yeah. you're going to have that wealth transfer. You're going to have clients who are much more comfortable with technology and they're going to be expecting the same level that they get um, in other areas. I, I have uh, experts saying that to me almost every day uh, that people expect uh, the same experience they get on Amazon or on, mm -hmm. uh, on Netflix, Uber, yeah. Yeah, Netflix that, all of the ones they bring up. Um, and they rarely bring up their, <laughs> their wealth manager right. or, uh, you know, when they, when they talk about this. And it's just going to be a, a, a client expectation. Um, probably it, it isn't tomorrow, but yeah. a year from now, two years from now, three or four, um, that headache of, uh, of learning a new technology system uh, I know even, you know, at, at my company, even if we have uh, some kind of new email server that we have to learn, <laughs> it's, it's very frustrating for, for people. Um, but if you just stick with it uh, and, and go through some of those, those growing pains, uh, you know, uh, find a, a trusted partner to work with, um, you, can, you can really make it to the other side and it's going to be a valuable exercise because, I, I can tell you that uh, younger clients are, are just expecting that. Yeah. It's almost, you know, if you, you want to file your tax return, also, would you also maybe think about having a state plan, right? <laughs> exactly. Or if you want to invest in Deutschcoin, uh, maybe mm -hmm. would you like a life insurance policy? <laughs> just have that uh, little add-on. Nice right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, well, wonderful. Tobias, Thank you so much. Um, it was really, really wonderful to have you uh, on the podcast. You know, we really appreciate all of your insights uh, today, as well as everything that you've been able to 
to bring online and, and um, you know, to the audience. Um, you know, what's the best way that our readership should, should be able to find you and, and, and find the content that, that you all are creating? Well, absolutely. It, it's been great speaking with you, uh, Rob and Rory. We've, I've really enjoyed it as well. Um, interested readers, please come to financial-planning.com. Um, we have a monthly print issues. Uh, speaking of free, it's actually free. Um, <laughs> Uh, we are, we are, we do have free, a free, free, free. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, we do have a subscriber, um, uh, platform as well. Um, but that's only for certain, uh, certain stories on, on our website, but, um, yes, come check out financial-planning.com. Uh, you can find our podcast. Uh, we have a podcast as well. It's just called the financial planning podcast. Uh, find me on Twitter, Toby Sal FP, um, or on LinkedIn. I have a weekly LinkedIn newsletter called This yeah. Week in Wealth Management. Uh, so there are lots of ways to, to find me. Um, and I just really appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to come on and talk. It's, it's just a great industry to cover. And, uh, and I know how important it is. I know how much uh, a lot of the great people in this industry care about their clients. So it's really inspiring to to get to speak with them about that every day. It's true, there are some, some folks who give the industry a bad name. We talked about compliance. Uh, I cover a lot of compliance cases. I know that's not the vast majority of advisors out there. That's not the vast majority of financial professionals who feel a sense of dedication to their work. So it's an honor to me to be able to serve them in that work. Absolutely, Great. We, are, we appreciate you coming on, Tobias. Thank you so much. We look forward to having you on again uh, sometime in the future. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rory. Thank, Thank you. All opinions expressed by Rob Santos and Rory Henry on this website podcast interview are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Arrowroot Family Office, LLC, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by anyone as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. Past performance is not indicative of future results.